RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Season 2, Episode 6, Gene Roddenberry Letter to Robert Vaughn, April 28, 1965. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Well, welcome back, Star Trek fans, all you canonistas and background buffs. And yes, of course, that means you Trekophiles with an F. Well, we've been digging a little more into the Trek files here in Gene's drawers, and we've found some more correspondence and some memos from that interesting lieutenant Star Trek period of Gene's career, which of course shows what was going on in Hollywood, shows what's going on in Gene's circle of friends, his influences. So uh, take a listen to this. We're going to visit, revisit uh, the lieutenant, Gene's initial, his first show that he sold, only lasted a year, was the initial inciting spark for what led directly to Star Trek. And some of the personalities that were involved there that were in Gene's circle of friends. And then we're going to be right back with a guest to talk about this, a returning guest that uh, I had a big kick with the first time he was on, and you will too. But take a listen first. Remember, our documents are all right there at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Dear Bob, congratulations again on your fine job with Hamlet. Beyond being a most pleasant evening, it was a great thrill for my daughters who are, as you know, ardent fans of yours. Many thanks again for the tickets and the pleasure of seeing you in action on the stage. As you will recall, my daughter's friend, Penny Levin, at USC was given a journalism assignment of interviewing you, and at your suggestion, I asked her to hold off further inquiry until about now. As you will recall from the lieutenant, I hate to bother people on such matters, but it seems I've somehow gotten in between on it. It is her journalism term project for the year, and it appears that through female logic, I will now become the household heavy if she fails. If you can give her a few moments, I would most appreciate it. Yes, we're back in that time, first of all, folks, where people are writing letters to each other. This is not email. It's not a phone call. It's a little more time and effort put into a note, and um, people are very careful and aware of keeping their circle of friends in a nice social circle. But we're talking about all things the lieutenant, talking about the mid-60s, talking about the exciting trends that are happening in Hollywood and some of the groundbreaking events and personalities that are going on. And when it's in this circle of lieutenant Star Trek and, dare I say, Robert Vaughn, who was a, who is a recurring lead on uh, the lieutenant, and Robert Vaughn's career, now we're back into the turf of the man from UNCLE and our new friend, Bob Short, Oscar winner for Beetlejuice for creative makeup effects and was a wonderful guest star a few weeks back. Uh, Bob, thanks for being back on the show again with us. Well, my, uh, my pleasure. I had a great time last time. So uh, I'm, I'm up for uh, connecting the dots between uh, Uncle and uh, Star Trek uh, a little further. Well, it seemed it's like almost an extended. People may be saying, why are we talking about Man from Uncle? Again, it's looking at the influences, the people that Gene knew, and some of them have direct impacts we talked about last time. But uh, I, knowing Robert Vaughn, as you know, from, um, uh, from his later Man from Uncle uh, appearances and the work that you did as an advisor and consultant there, uh, you've worn many hats in your time in Hollywood. I want to get to some other Star Trek connections that you have that will surprise a lot of folks. 
Um, but I want to get back to the lieutenant first. So Robert Vaughn played uh, the role of um, Captain Raymond Rambridge, which explains a little bit here on this, on this uh, reply letter. What we've got in our documents this week are a nice little social, social hello and thank you back and forth where Robert Vaughn is doing Hamlet after they've gotten to know each other from the lieutenant. And uh, Gene's just keeping in touch with people who are on the up and up. Of course, yeah. by now, the uncle has taken off and of become course, a huge hit. Of course. And, and speaking of that, uh, you know, it just was a simpler time where people, you know, relied more on phone calls, uh, memos, actual, you know, letters, that, that kind of thing. And things, in a way, also, you know, took place uh, a lot uh, quicker. I don't know what happened with uh, Gene and uh, uh, Shatner and Nimoy, but um, there is, uh, you know, there... Uh, part of the uncle lore is that um, you know the the day that uh, Robert Vaughn uh, read the script for Uncle and agreed uh, to do the show in Norman Felton's office. Two seconds later, Norman was on the phone with the NBC executives and said, "Vaughn's um, you know Vaughn's agreed to do the show. Let's go." And the deal was done, and the show went the show went forward, and it was as simple as that. It was a simpler time. It was a gentler time, <laughs> right? Well, I'm just remembering. So The Lieutenant, which was Gene's first original sold show after doing pilots, after being an award-winning writer on, on Have Gun Will Travel and many, many more before that, uh, that ran 63, the 63-64 season. So in 64, he's working on uh, Star Trek, and they shoot the pilot, The Cage, which is accepted but put off. And in the meantime... Uh, his former uh, co-producer on Lieutenant, uh, Norman Felton, who developed Uncle, has developed Uncle and has got this huge hit on his hand starring uh, Robert Vaughn, who had played this recurring role on uh, on The Lieutenant. So, yeah, again, it's a small town. It's They've gone from near equals, Gene and Norman, to uh, now Norman's the guy with the hit and Gene is in the hunt for his and they have that relationship. But... It's interesting how a year later here, Gene and Robert Vaughn are still social. He's saying, I'd love for you to come over. Now, we, we should note this here. This hit me now after reviewing. So Robert Vaughn's little personal stationary note that you can see if you're, again, if you're following with us here on, on the Trek Files on Facebook, you can see the document. He signs it RV the Ram, which I guess is his nickname is Rambridge. Right, on, on, uh, on the on Lieutenant. lieutenant. And uh, it's interesting to, you know, I mean, the documents themselves are an interesting look into an actor, you know, reaching out to a producer to make sure he's seen his his latest work as as an actor. Mm -hmm. And again, that small town of, you know, the way you make your make your way through it is, you know, keeping your contacts up to date and, uh, you know, bringing them, you know, bringing bringing your work uh, to their to their attention. And in those days, one of the ways was not go to YouTube and not uh, do a streaming, but, you know, write a letter and say, I'm performing in Hamlet down the street. You know, love to have you, uh, love to have you come on down. Right. Well, just in passing for our, for our Trekophiles with an F, you see uh, Gene's reply here on March 24th. Just notice the typist down there, DCF, Dorothy Fontana, just in passing. Um, but it's interesting. He, he's to the uh, mundane level of saying, thank you. I'd love to bring the daughters. They're at uh, Westlake. T today, Harvard Westlake, a big uh, high school here in Los Angeles. They're studying Shakespeare. 
but we'd love to bring them. But don't take those out of your stock of comps. We will gladly pay. I'll send you a check for the two tickets for them, which I, you know, <laughs> little personal bit there, whether yeah. whether that got waved off later on or not. But then, um, now you were telling me, uh, and then he goes on to, to set up an interview from one of his daughter's friends who has a, a journalism project, which is so, you know, just everyday personal. These are just people. Yeah, exactly. Right? I wonder if he did agree to do that interview. Oh, surely. I, I, <laughs> surely. Especially since he gave her her, her personal yeah. phone number there. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, I would hope so. But you were talking – so they're talking about this Robert Vaughn production of Hamlet. Now, you know, film actors, especially whether they did stage early on or not, but an actor's creative drive and maybe even ego and maybe self-satisfaction, if they, if they hit it big with the TV, especially in the 60s and 70s when TV was held in such low esteem – by film actors, exactly. much yeah, less stage it, it, people, yeah, and exactly. someone who says, I do my acting in five-minute bits for 18 hours a day, eager to get on stage and show their chops in stage, especially Shakespeare and Hamlet. Well, before we you know, get totally away from The Lieutenant, which, um, again, Robert Vaughn was a recurring role for, we should mention that, yes, the Trek files, we do look at documents from all and, and memos and scripts and correspondence and letters and notes and fun stuff, artwork even, from all throughout Gene's career because of the impact in one way or another it has on what became the man who created Star Trek and what we all you know follow now, even after Gene's passing. And one of the things I wanted to make sure and point out on The Lieutenant was that there was – we talk about lost shows, right, on some of these series, um, failed pilots or redone episodes. There was a famous incident where episode 21, it only ran one season, largely because – of the fallout of this one episode called To Set It Right, which, oddly enough, um, tackled, A, the topic of racism, and co-starred as guest stars Nichelle Nichols, who played the fiancé of a young black lieutenant played by Don Marshall, who, aside from his Land of the Giants role, most famously, Trek fans know as Lieutenant Boma from Galileo 7. And uh, there, his difficulties with a racist young Marine played by a young Dennis Hopper, just to keep name dropping here. <laughs> so the network, not happy with this racial message tone of this episode, um, did not air it and refused to pay for it. MGM, the studio, got stuck footing the bill for an entire episode, and the episode itself didn't air until Retro TV came in. I think it was on TNT in the 1990s. But it was that incident that really set Gene up against the censors of network TV in the mid-1960s. And 1964 was still a relatively pre-protest Vietnam, uproot, social upheaval, civil rights time. It was right on the cusp of that. And things would get so much more relevant so very soon. But at the time, he was so upset about that censorship. That's what led him yeah. to do the morality tales of Star Trek set in a science fiction yeah. camouflage, as it were. Right. Well, and speaking of sixty, you know, speaking of sixty-four, and and uh, how the networks viewed censorship and 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 dealing with sensitive topics, um, when the uh, uh, pilot for Uncle uh, came in, um, the network was not happy about having this Russian character <laughs> on the show called Kuryakin, and they said they couldn't remember his name because it was so difficult to pronounce. So they right. said. One que you know, one of our requests as you go into series, get rid of the guy with the K name. So ironically enough, the person who played the head of Uncle, the actor, was called mm -hmm. was his name was Will Kaluva. 
And Sam Roth and Norman Felton, knowing exactly what the network meant by the K guy, turned around and started the series and delivered the first couple of episodes with David McCallum as Elia Kuriakin still intact. And the network said, what the hell is what the hell is this? We told you to get rid of the guy with the K, and they said we did Kaluva. <laughs> you ended up with a series about a action adventure adventurer womanizer and his logical mop top sidekick alien yeah, Russian other. Yes. other and the two of them and the and the and the and the basic camaraderie and problems of those two cultures you know hitting up against each other and basically working from a base of operations that had a circular control room with <laughs> with corp everywhere in this organization's headquarters were internet were agents from all international agencies and all countries working together for the benefit of mm -hmm. all mankind against whatever uh, villains and enemies yeah, of external, of forces. external forces and um, uh, carrying um, uh, guns with sleep darts, which were basically stun guns mm -hmm. and pocket communicators. Uh, and where the, the smaller only, weapon fit uh, into the bigger, the bigger weapon. weapon. <laughs> and I think the only, and so the only thing, and it kind of in a way, the, 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 and then their travels took them internationally to every spot of the globe. Now, of course, you could say that about a certain starship and its captain and its right. and his his best friend and the way the ship was designed and goes to every corner of the universe to try and bring peace to, you know. <laughs> Peace and harmony, and right. and what's interesting is that the Federation is set up for uh, the benefit of all cultures, etc. Mm -hmm. Well, Uncle was introduced in the first couple of episodes as uh, an international organization maintaining political and legal uh, order anywhere in the world. The parallels between Star Trek and uh -huh. Uncle are actually pretty easy to make. Right. We start off the focus with the lead with a second banana who quickly, if not in, totally intended to be there, is quickly elevated to equal status because of the fan reaction. Would and you, how that, you know, that, that meta view of the whole thing, aside from what's on the paper for the format, the real-world reaction, Star Trek mirrors just a couple years later. Absolutely. The, uh, the Robert Vaughn, David McCallum, Shatner, Nimoy dynamic of the show in regards to the fan popularity is is mirrored. It's almost identical. Where uh, the fans, you know, the fans spoke out and and said who they, you know, who they liked and the kind of stories that really attracted them, and the production companies made the appropriate changes. It's interesting to see that both Norman and Gene were two producers who embraced fandom. And yes. and brought fans in to, you know, in in kind of to their inner circle by by reading the fan letters, uh, whatever fan letter came in, they personally wrote to them, they right. exchanged ideas, 
they sent out. And Felton being a couple of years ahead of Gene, obviously, because he had the property that was the big hit before Gene did. But in an era before, it's easy to do with Twitter, much less Facebook or email. They're doing this paper and stamps. Yes. And taking the time and sending out actual photograph photos or or send out photos, the uncle ID cards. You know, there was kind of a there was an uncle inner circle fan club that had journals that were sent out to fans fan most fan letters that came into the studio were then put on the uncle inner circle uh, fan club list so that if you paid two bucks for the year you got you know you got uh, paper you got mm-hmm. updates of the you know the specs of the uncle specials and what robert vaughn was doing what david mccallum was doing right. and the secret stuff on the behind the sets and they created journals and they actually they they created you know mgm you know, created a a fan club for the fans that had constant updates that were mailed out to the fans. Just like Gene and Majel eventually, with Lincoln, the Trimble's help, had Star Trek. Lincoln Enterprises. Yes, Lincoln Enterprises, but they even had the Star Trek Interstellar newsletter. Right. There were there was an in-house Star Trek uh, fan club newsletter, yeah. and they would take yeah. the time to interview it, people on staff, right. the creators and designers right. and writers. And, and, and at the time, you know, I, I as a fan. You know, I wrote similar letters to uh, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, Land of the Giants, um, Wild Wild West, um, uh, you know, ad, ad nauseum. And what I would get back is maybe a postcard or a photo right. or a little Xerox and say, thank you very much for your interest. And that's all form you letter. got. A little form letter. But Uncle was, we've got a fan club. You can be an Uncle agent worldwide. Join it. We'll give you the secret, you know, the secret handshake. Right. You know, be a part of, be a part of Uncle, and that was a whole new kind of a new plateau, plateau new, a new, for new step ahead. And yeah. again, not that Uncle and Star Trek were were hand in hand, right. but that but Felton and Gene Norman and Gene had this shared DNA going back to the Lieutenant days. Exactly. They're in the same circle, even politically. They're both yeah. uh, very progressive, yes. uh, liberal for the time. And, and would still be, and yes, Norman's show hit its its uh, its its overnight success two years before Star Trek. But it's all in that same DNA. It's all in the same well, water there in yeah, the sixties. Yeah, you say it's that small town where everybody knows everybody else, and you kind of share a common ideal. Right. And I just want you to just tell your story real quick. So we, you're the uh, shot of you somehow in the captain's chair on the bridge <laughs> late in the series you said but it yes, kind of harks true. back you were telling me about how you just made the rounds and how you you, yeah. you had a little bit of a That's showbiz it. family yeah, your sister I, was an extra i mean when i was in my teens my sister who was like 20 years my senior um was working as an extra and she would go off and do little bits on all these different shows so i did have an in to go to different um, you know, to go to different sets and hang out. And when she wasn't available to, like, get me on the lot, I would just sneak onto the lot. You know, when the guards <laughs> weren't looking, you just find a way to, like, oh, walk behind a car as it's going in the, you know, lot going being in the gate. Paramount, par- Desilu, yeah, so I would make the, MGM. Right. So, I, yeah. so I'd make the rounds between MGM, CBS, and, CB- and, and, and Paramount. And, of course, you know, MGM had, had Uncle, and others, and CBS had Wow Wow West, Get Smart, uh, and of course, going over to the Paramount lot, we you know I would I would go to the I Spy set, hang out. <laughs> I'd go to the Mission Impossible set, and hang out. And then across the road, 
you know, mm -hmm. from Mission Impossible, Jim Phelps's office, was the Star Trek set. So I would go over there and hang out on the on the set during filming for for original Star Trek. Before you took off in this incredible career that saw you win the Oscar in the team, the makeup creative yeah. effects team for right. uh, for Beetlejuice and all the other different hats and advising the Uncle remakes um, that you did. But I, I, before we go, and the clock, I hate this, the clock is running down, <laughs> but I just... There's some other Star Trek names that you talked about uh, in your career working with, such as oh yeah. Well, Star <laughs> just name drop the, a little the, here, real the, quick. In the years, you know, uh, I'll 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 start with when I was a fan going to conventions. I met Greg Jean, who mm -hmm. basically got my who helped me get my foot in the foot in the door. Greg was had was just starting to do miniatures. I had no idea what I wanted to do in life. The two of us met because he had a, a, a we had a room at a science fiction convention. He was displaying Star Trek You're props. In LA. It, we're actually in Santa Barbara. Oh, Santa Barbara, okay. Santa Barbara Science Fiction Convention. He was displaying Star Trek props and I was displaying uncle props and people would come in and they'd look at the stuff and go, oh, kicking, the, kicking two dead horses, huh guys? You wanna just give it a rest? And they'd wander out. And Greg and I would go, oh, well, <laughs> we like it. And, um, and nobody was collecting on stuff at that point. And Star Trek was a dead property. Uncle was a completely dead property. And it's hard to believe that there was such a time. So I had met Greg. One of my first jobs in the industry, just working on a nine-to-five basis, was working for Filmation, which meant that I was working on <laughs> Star Trek, the animation, the animated series. Um, this is doing, amazing. I Can I just I, say this is amazing? <laughs> <laughs> so I was doing ink. You're like the Forrest Gump here yeah, of I Uncle and Star so Trek. <laughs> so, you know, so there I was doing lowly ink and paint, which was fine. I was having a great time. I'd also do little sculptures of things like Eric's for the animators so they could put him up on his on their little desks. like maquettes little maquettes so that they could see him in the in the appropriate you know in the appropriate perspective so so I worked on that and I had a, you know that was fun seeing the crew the cast come in and you'd pass them in the hallway a group of them because they'd all kind of, they'd all come together so you'd have you know uh, Kelly Shatner and Nimoy and doing all walking and and Michelle all walking in a group down the hall and you'd go Wow, that is so cool! <laughs> you know, um, oh, it's a dead I, show, Bob. Give it up. It's a dead show. You know, <laughs> give it up. They're just doing cartoons of it yeah, now. Yeah, oh, would have uh, come down. You know, so and then and then because I had met Greg, Greg brought me. Uh, I had worked for Greg as a as a as a miniature building builder on 1941, and then when Greg went on mm -hmm. to Star Trek, the motion picture, I went on to work with Greg, supervising for Greg uh, some of the model building. Um, especially uh, like on the V'ger, the V'ger interiors and Spock's walk is a lot of my work as far as coordinating I, that and building stuff. And of course, I, I heard I, there was I, some I, special yeah, points of your work. I, in I, throw, that. I, I, I try on a lot of my shows to throw in some kind of uncle reference just because I'm that way. <laughs> and, um, and the day that when, when we were doing the globes that you see in the V'ger the interior, those kind of mm -hmm. like globey areas, and we all had to like cut out the individual little tiny windows that glowed. You'll find that if you could get in there really closely, it says Napoleon Solo, Ilya Kuryakin, <laughs> Uncle, you know, UNCLE, dot, 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 dot. Um, 
<laughs> so say, you know, so, I, you know, never Open show. channel D. Yeah, open so channel D, you know. But it was, a, it was a way to keep yourself from going insane while cutting out all those little tiny, uh, all the little yeah. tiny windows. Um, so, Star, so Star Trek, <laughs> um, the motion picture, and... Um, and then, uh, and then Star Trek kind of dropped off the, uh, the, the you know, the, the workflow for me. But I, I did come back on Voyager, and do and help with the design of the dinosaur the, the species, Voc. the Vok, and uh -huh. and work on especially mm -hmm. and it's specifically the CG uh, that evolution transformation right. evolution, you know. So I was instrumental in the evolution of the. You know, of the there you go. Diplo, whatever, <laughs> whatever the heck. <laughs> the dinosaurs the, the that dinosaurs debated whether they arose yeah. on Earth. Yes, right. the Vok. So yeah. The, yeah, the evolution of the Vok. Distant origin. Um, I love that. It's one yeah. of my favorite Voyager episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so, yeah, you know, hanging out on the original set, doing some animation, doing some miniatures, and then doing some CG. It's It kind of uh, echoes the... <laughs> and history. touching base with these people, they, these creatives that intersected with Gene's life that are in the original DNA of the original series in such a big way. We need to do a, a one-hour special with you, Bob, at some point. <laughs> That's what we need to do. No, I'm here to figure out the connection between the lieutenant and... <laughs> <laughs> and Star Trek. And all of that, yes. <laughs> well, listen, uh, as we dig into the files deeper, we might just have you back again, Bob. We'll have to see well, what we find out. I have a feeling there's more secrets to unravel as we get into Gene's drawers. <laughs> but thanks again for being back, and we will see you down the line. Oh, my, uh, my pleasure. I look forward to seeing you guys again. Oh, sure. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Additional production by Ken Ray. All documents are available, once again, at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. For more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek in Portal 47, that's me, at larrynimacek.com. podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network